Today's podcast is brought to you by Audible. Get a free audiobook download and 30-day free trial at audibletrial.com slash bookshow. Then go over to morbidlybeautiful.com as we are now part of the Morbidly Beautiful Podcasting Network. It has been established that persons who have recently died have been returning to life and committing acts of murder. Have you checked the children? children. I want to play a game. The box. You opened it. We came. This is the All America Spook Show. Hello and welcome to another edition of the All American Spook Show podcast. I'm Josh and I'm joined here with Donnie. Hey. And Professor Smoke. And guess what? Will has decided to rejoin the show. He's back. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's uh that's not someone sucking through a straw. That's his soul returning to his body and now he's back in the he's back on the show. <laughs> hey guys. <laughs> hey, hey. Yeah, he's he's been on like hiatus and vacations and sickness and pest, pe- pestilence and plague and what? And everything else over the last uh, couple months. So you, 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 uh, I guess for for better or for worse, you you managed to miss a good portion of Camp Spook Show. What? Um, no. More important, <laughs> more importantly, just like your partner Smoke over there, y'all. Uh, well, I should say Smoke laid an egg of Camp Blood, and then me and Donnie <laughs> are the ones that had to sniff on it. But you, <laughs> but you missed that one as well. So. Uh, ne- needless to say, we all, y'all, y'all, you all have some things to catch up on specifically will but you're not alone there there's a few other things but we'll we'll fill in the blanks on a lot of that stuff once we get to the fourth anniversary show there's really no use in uh you know wasting too much time on it right now so we'll, we'll catch up on y'all's thoughts and ratings on some of the movies that you missed out on and and our fourth anniversary comes out on halloween that's always our opportunity to go back throughout the year and what we've done and we have one chance per year on that show to re-rate anything so if we're like you know what I was too generous. Let's lower that. Or, or uh, you know what? I, upon further reflection, I like that more, you know, than I said. That kind of thing, you know. So, that's our chance to kind of, you know, sit back and rethink what we've done for good or bad. So uh, we'll, we'll get to that when we get there. But today we're uh, back on our regular schedule programming. As far as you know, the Camp Spook Show is over. It wrapped up last week, and uh, now we we move on. This this begins the road to October. This is kind of our the biggest time of the year for us. So. We've got a big one lined up. It was Will's choice. So, Will, what do you bring to us today? Evil Dead, 1981. So, is this? I think this is a terrific way to start off the the next uh, the next couple months here on Definitely. the show. Um, yeah, I was stoked when uh, when this was announced. Yeah, hell yeah, yeah. And, and, and I think it's just the beginning of a, a good little run we're going to have here because uh, we'll talk more about what's coming up next week later on in the show. But it's our next cannon fodder, and it's a big one. Uh, we'll, but we'll get into that at the end. So. Yeah, we're, we're going to have a pretty good string of stuff coming up, and then that leads us into the month of October, where we're going to have, at the beginning of October, we're going to have our second annual Spook Show Awards. And then on Halloween, like I said, we're going to have our fourth annual uh, anniversary show, Halloween Spectacular Show. So, uh, And we're going to have a couple other special things programmed in the middle of all that. But for now, you know that that's kind of what you have to anticipate. Before we get any deeper into this one, though, I'll go ahead and throw out some of the usual information. You can contact us at allamericanspookshow at gmail.com. Uh, we're over on Twitter, uh, Instagram, the Slasher app, Facebook, TikTok, 
you should be able to find us uh by searching for All American Spook Show, or most of those handles, I think, have kind of been changed over to at AA Spook Show. So we're kind of, in, in, to put it as simple as possible, we're kind of embracing that as like uh, our our social stuff. You know, it'll all kind of be AA Spook Show. So you should be able to find us by looking for that. And we've kind of tweaked the logo in a little bit. So we got a few changes coming. And uh, we also have our T Public shop where we have logo merchandise, other cool designs that we have there. And we'll probably be putting up the new logo over there here pretty soon so if you want the new logo on a shirt mug you know pillow whatever the whatever they slap it on over there you can do that we also have our youtube page and all these links are down in the uh the link tree link down in the show notes of this show so if you want to click that you'll it should take you to just about all of these things and more um but over on our youtube channel we're going through some some changes we just wrapped up deadline horror news that was the the series that we've done every week for like the past year or so live every Wednesday night that that came to a, a, an end right at the, the beginning of August. The last one we had was August 3rd. Uh, the reason we're kind of doing that is we're going to kind of open it up to some new stuff. So we're, we're kind of making way. It gives us more time to work on some other cool, fresh content for the YouTube channel, some cool new stuff for Patreon. You know, we're kind of shuffling the deck a little bit as best as that's as best as I can describe it. So be on the lookout for lots of new stuff over on YouTube to kind of take the place of what we were doing every Wednesday on Deadline Horror News. So, you know, just keep an eye on our socials and all these other places, and we'll inform you as we go along as to what's coming. But trust us, it's going to be some cool new stuff. But I think if, you know, if you're a fan of the podcast, I think you'll enjoy it. So you want to go over there and subscribe to our YouTube channel. And, of course, if you're listening to us on Apple Podcasts or any of them, really, like Spotify, any of the others, we thank you. But we would would really appreciate it if you would drop us a five-star review on those services because it helps get more ears and eyes on the product, so to speak. So if you could do that for us, if you enjoy it, um, please leave that first chance you get. Yeah. I guess before we uh, dive into the background information and boy, is there a lot of it for the evil dead? We'll go ahead and toss to the trailer. your girlfriend, you take care of her.
All right, there you go. That's the trailer for The Evil Dead. So, uh, Will, did you you pick this, but did you say this is the first time you've watched this movie? Yep, it's the first time I've ever seen it. Wow. That's that's a that's a minor miracle in itself. That well, I guess it's unsurprising with you. I mean, because <laughs> this isn't the first time where you know, like, oh no, I haven't seen it. Um, but this is a, this is one of those classics where I am kind of surprised that you wouldn't have seen this at one point or another. Even like back when you used to work in a video store, you know, you you, you would think <laughs> yeah, you would have picked it up. Especially when you're working in a video store, you you definitely get sucked into the movies that uh, that haven't been released. Mm-hmm. Uh, they want you to watch as many of those as you can to, you know, try to get an idea of how many movies to get. Yeah. Dude, I have seen a bunch of horrible movies before. Yeah. But when I was working at the video store, like, some of those were movies that I kind of had to watch. Have you seen Part 2 at all? You've never seen Part 2 either, right? Or any of the other? I don't think I've seen any of them, actually. Oh, okay. Now, Smoke, I know your history with this one's going to be a whole lot different than that, right? How many how many times do you think you've seen this one over the years? I don't know that I can really count it. I don't know. Yeah, it's probably not... Not that it's this movie that I've seen the most or anything, but I, I really, I don't know. Because one thing, we used to rent this movie, and I'd have, like, uh, friends over and stuff, you know. And it, w- it would be, like, a endurance test for them of sorts. You know, I was already <laughs> kind of immersed, <laughs> pretty well immersed in the horror world. But, you know, have, like, uh, friends come over, hey, let's watch Evil Dead. I'm going to put this on. And then you know, it's kind of like, you know, well, you know how it goes. I mean, it's got humor and all that stuff, but it's still, it's pretty, uh, it's got some intense gore and stuff for preteen years, you know. Yeah. <laughs> Well, yeah. But yeah, I initiated my friends into uh, the horror world by way of uh, Evil Dead. And Donnie, what about you? What's your uh, what's your past with it? Oh man, I've seen this uh, you know probably a handful of times. I think I first watched it probably in the late '90s. Yeah, me honestly, mine's probably similar to that mid to late '90s somewhere around there um, for this one because I had actually watched the second one and Army of Darkness. Like way before I actually watched this one, Army of Darkness was just because it was like one of those, you know, on the local TV matinee kind of movies. But I watched that one, and then it seemed like some point after that, I rented the Evil Dead, you know, Evil Dead Two, I should say, just because the cover was, you know, kind of caught my eye, you know. So we we had rented it and watched that. But like, it took me. It was a lot longer after that, years after that, before I sat down and watched this one. This mm-hmm. one, it seemed like it wasn't as readily available. You know, I guess as maybe some of the other ones were, the you know those other two. It was a, it was a, as far as VHS days go and everything, it was on a small, it was on that Thorn EMI label. You know, I mean, it was it was pretty big in the v, early VHS days, but by the time you get to like Army of Darkness, it probably was a little bit more difficult to get a hold of that Thorn yeah. EMI Evil Dead tape than it was Evil Dead Two, which I can't remember who released that, but I think it was HBO Video maybe, and whoever released Army of Darkness. Hell, that was Paramount, I think, by that time. Um, so I guess we'll go ahead and uh, dive into some of the background information because there's a lot of it. Um, th- this being such a huge cornerstone of like '80s horror and just horror movies in general over the last 40 years, there's a lot more information on the background of this one than there is, you know, your common regular old horror movie. So uh, I found a lot more tidbits on this one, but uh, this movie was all. It was actually the working title for this movie was Into the Woods. And then it actually premiered with the title of Book of the Dead. <laughs> One other title I, I found that was uh, actually wouldn't be a bad title for a horror movie. And Smoke, you can correct me if it exists otherwise, but in India, apparently the informal English title for this movie is Heaven Woke Up. Yeah. Although I would imagine that like for a horror movie, Hell Woke Up would probably be a more mm. you know, appropriate <laughs> title for a horror movie. Yeah. But either yeah. way... 
later movie dragged me to hell. Yeah. 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 There you go. Mm. Also, I need to correct myself on the last thing when I was just talking about Army of Darkness earlier and Paramount, not Paramount, Universal Studios. Oh, okay. Because <laughs> I think that's who just. Yeah, but the movie debuted October 15th, 1981 at the Redford Theater in Detroit. Apparently they chose that theater because it was where Bruce Campbell had like grew up watching movies and stuff. So they just kind of randomly decided, all right, well, that'll be a good place. And that's where they held the big premiere. And it was kind of like they did the old William Castle bit of like they had, you know, wind machines and and maybe some smells and stuff like that going. So it was like kind of gimmicked up for the big premiere that they had there. And it played at various festivals and stuff over the the next couple of years, year and a half or so after that debut in uh, October of 81, including it, it actually played at Cannes Film Festival in 1982. But it wasn't released wide here in the U.S. until April 15th of 1983. And it was actually rated X at the time. Mm. Now, apparently, it, there, are, there have been many releases that are un, unrated since then, but it eventually, at some point, got re-rated to an NC-17. But that's where we sit right now with this movie. It's actually rated NC-17. I don't know if we've ever watched a movie that actually has a rating of X or NC-17, yeah. have we? <laughs> yeah, because I think how that works, we talked about it a little bit in the ratings episode that we did, I believe, about the X thing. Is where it's like If you don't submit something to the MPAA, you can release it unrated. It just means that it might be treated like an X-rated movie. In other words, it's, you know, if it's got violence and all that stuff, it's not yeah. rated. It's a lot of characters in newspapers and a lot of theaters on, probably aren't going to play it. I the think NBA our X, same thing. I think our next Crapster piece uh, theater is uh, uh, oh, NC-17. God Almighty! I think you're right. <laughs> Showgirls. Yeah. Yeah. God, you just reminded me that we have to watch it. <laughs> Anyways, yeah. yeah, maybe other than that. Uh, I, I mean, because anything else we've watched that, like, say, doesn't have a rating, that means it was either, like, one of the old, like, what, uh, uh, just pat where it would say past, you know, like, maybe the Hayes Code mm. or something like that or whatever it was where, like, it doesn't, or it was just an unrated movie. So, yeah, I think this is the first time we've ever talked about one that uh, has this kind of rating. And, of course, it's for extreme gore and violence and everything. Total runtime is one hour and 25 minutes. Uh, now this is actually this actually started as a short film uh, a, a few years prior to this. Uh, Sam Raimi and Bruce Campbell and a couple other, a couple other guys had made a short film called Within the Woods, but that was basically proof of concept that secured them the financing for the, to make this. That that got them roughly about ninety thousand dollars to you know kind of get started on production for this movie. The movie was filmed in Morristown, Tennessee. Uh, trust me, that's up in the middle of. You know, fucking nowhere in the mountains. From November 14th of 1979 all the way through to January 26th of 1980. And apparently from what I read, it was a grueling shoot. That cabin that you see there, they all, basically the dozen or so, how many ever people they had on the cast and crew, they all lived in that cabin during that time period. Uh, apparently it was very cold. Obviously this time of year, right? From November to Jan yeah. uh, end of January in the in the Tennessee mountains. God, that's got to be the worst. But apparently it got so cold that, like, toward the end when they had shot most of the interiors, they just started dragging all the furniture outside and started burning it to, to stay warm. But uh, uh, people got sick. People got hurt, uh, you know, and injured all, all, uh, during the filming of, this, filming of this and everything. So, yeah, it was a, altogether, it sounds like it was a grueling shoot for that uh, 12 weeks or so. And I think uh, and a lot of people just left before the end of it because I think it took them, like, way longer than he... <laughs> Yeah, I mean that's a long, that's the movie, so they uh, yeah, you know, that's over two months with uh, other people. 
which we'll get to. And, you know, did you come across the term face jump? Oh, yeah. Well, that's in, that's straight up in the credits. Like, when you're yeah. watching the credits, like, all right, here's the five or six people that credited. And then there's, like, a list of, you know, 15, 20 people that just says fake shimp. <laughs> yeah. But, yeah, it was done for a budget. It ended up being a budget of $375,000. Now, the the gross is weird because, like, the U.S. domestic gross was $2.4 million. But the worldwide gross is where apparently there's some some weird uh, back and forth there on that. One source says it only grossed like 200, 300 something thousand internationally. But another source said it was like 27, 26 or 27 million internationally. So you really kind of land on two worldwide grosses here. One is just 2.7 million if you're just including that small amount plus what it made here in the U.S. But the other one is 29.4 million if you believe that number. So as they always say, usually the truth lies somewhere in the middle. That'd be my guess. But either way, very profitable for a movie that was made for next to nothing in a you know, cabin in the woods, literally. But producer Irvin Shapiro was actually the person that got this movie screened at Cannes in 1982. And who so happened to be there in 1982 was Stephen King. So he watched it, fell in love with it, started spreading the word. And that helped eventually, kind of you know, down the line, New Line Cinema was able to pick it up. And then they were the ones that kind of facilitated the release in theaters. and But they actually released it simultaneously on VHS at the same time, which was not something they did a lot back then. Smoke, did you happen to pick that up when it came out in 1983? Well, not in 1983, but shortly, sometimes shortly after. Because I do, I do have that Thorin EMI tape I was talking about. From, <laughs> but I don't remember exactly when I, when I came across it. Because, you know, in 1983, it probably cost uh, $79 or so. That's what I was thinking. Like, I was thinking VHS true. would be, like crazy expensive or i say vhs but you I know think what year it was when they started making them more affordable prices you know for regular people to buy but yeah. it, but not by 1983 they hadn't yet unfortunately but I, I did you know eventually buy it used when one of the video stores put it out there for like five bucks or something. i think that's how i came across my copy now there have been a lot of uh releases of this movie that thorn emi was apparently that was the first vhs release of it from 1983 and then there were other vhs releases of it over the years by i think like i think you even said uh hbo or something i think one of them was uh yep. hbo canon which HBO, appa- yeah there was something dealing there with though i mean we'll we'll cover this in some vhs episode later on but yeah. thorn emi somehow i believe was bought by hbo yeah it was a successor yeah they apparently they repackaged the film and then apparently it got released again on vhs by congress video but then eventually it finally made its dvd debut in 1999 and that was released by Anchor Bay. And then there were various DVD releases. And then it didn't get its first Blu-ray release until 2010. And then fast forward to 2018, that's when it finally released on 4K UHD Blu-ray. And that was put out by Lionsgate. So it's had multiple releases over the years. But I guess that 4K is probably one of the better, I would imagine, that would be one of the best uh, quality versions that's ever been released. That's actually how we watched it, that new 4K release. Oh, well, how did, it, how did it look? I, I mean... Uh, well, you know, it was shot on what sixteen millimeter, blown up to thirty five oh, yeah. millimeter, yep. and then. <laughs> so, I mean, honestly, is there any real point in watching? Well, first of all, I told, I think I've said this before. I, I don't watch things in the true four K. You know, where you where you put the comb filter on and it gives that so called soap opera effect. You know. Yeah. Where the ends are, movements are a lot more fluid, so it kind of looks fakey to me. So I don't, I don't like that that uh, comb filter, that whatever. So I don't watch it that way, but. Most other 4K movies will look a little bit better than your standard Blu-ray, even if you don't use that filter. So, 
but this one doesn't, you know, I mean, like I said, a 60 millimeter blown up to 35 and then 4K remaster. So it's, I mean, it's probably looks the best it's ever looked, but it's not going to look like, you know, don't think it's going to be some crystal clear because you're not going to get any better than the source being 16 millimeter blown up to 35. Yeah. But it, saying that, it's probably the best it's ever looked before. You know? The makeup and effects on this movie and the stop motion animation that takes place in the film were by artist Tom Sullivan. I just found that interesting and, you know, important to point out because like that and the cinematography really to me are what stand out with this movie, you know, that because it's very unique and very kind of... Yeah. How would you want to say cutting edge, especially for the time, right? Yeah, I'd say uh, innovatively shot, checks all the boxes. Will, did that stick out to you, this being the first time you watched it, like those certain aspects of it? Oh, yeah. no, no. I mean, something that I read that I, I, don't know, I thought was kind of funny is uh, the uh, creeping, uh, what you would use as a study cam now. I read that uh, that was uh, that was Ramey and Campbell. Uh, they had rigged up like uh, something where they could carry the camera same time and that's just them running through the woods yeah <laughs> to the house yeah even that yeah. I, I think i read somewhere like that final shot you know that you see in the movie you know once again before i continue we are a spoiler filled podcast so from this point forward just remember if you haven't watched this movie and you definitely should you should pause right now go watch this movie and come back but we are going to spoil it if you haven't seen it so fair warning but that final shot that you see where it's kind of like the the spirit or whatever you know that's kind of chasing after them the entire movie it goes straight through the house and then kind of comes up behind Bruce Campbell and he turns around real quick at the end. That was like a bicycle. Just like a camera mounted to a bicycle drove straight through the house. <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah. So it, it's cool to, you know, that how would you, I'm sure there's some, you know, I didn't go to film school. So I'm, you know, Donnie, you probably might remember. I'm sure there's got to be some name for these styles of that kind of thing, right? Like just kind of inventing things on the fly doing things kind of uh, just, well, let's just do it however we got to do it and get it done. That I, I just think that aspect, especially on this one, is really cool. You know, when you when you know about how they do these kind of movies and they're just they're just inventing shit, you know, like, well, yeah. let's just get it done however we got to get it done. It's really cool to me. Yeah, yeah I mean, it's uh, part of the appeal is, uh, you know, doing, doing, you know, doing something that's never been done before. Not really, not really so much that, but it's just like, well, let's just figure it out. Let's just yeah. make it happen. Yeah. They just want you to know? make it look different and look cool. Yeah, exactly. Any month, you, know, you got, you got no budget. Basically you're trying to do. Yeah. These really technical camera moves and things. Yeah. And they're doing all this and basically inventing shit on the fly, kind of uh, doing things differently than it's ever been, kind of been done before all on a super low budget, while they're all living in the same cabin and like fighting and arguing with with each other, getting injured, getting <laughs> sick, being very cold. I mean, it's, you know, it's, it's, it's impressive what came out of this considering all these circumstances, you know, and how well, also how uh, influential it was to many movies that came after it, as far as other movies emulating that style of cinematography and just, the, you know, just the style of people did. And, uh, hell, we've had street trash and we did street trash, whatever episode that was. That was early on. Some of seven, that I think. camera thing. Yeah, when they run through the junkyard, that was basically the same style. I think they mounted the camera on something or whatever, just yeah. ran through the that uh, you know, and just emulating that Evil Dead style just because it was so uh, influential. Very. Now, did they did, did they take a bicycle through the junk hole as well? <laughs> <laughs> How do you think they were able to capture it in such in such great detail? <laughs> um, but yeah, this movie is very influential and it was very successful 
And because it was so, so successful, it's it spawned sequels. Uh, Evil Dead 2, Dead by Dawn came out in 1987. Uh, Army of Darkness came out in 1993. Then there was a kind of a soft reboot, remake, however you want to frame it, in t- uh, 2013, just called Evil Dead, where they, they definitely take more of a serious approach to it in that one. It's kind of like that one's more of an updated, very gory version of this movie, except a little less jokey, you know? Although this one, you know, really wasn't as jokey as, like, you know, the ones that followed it, right? Smoke, like, Evil Dead 2 and especially Army of Darkness have a lot of, kind of like a slapstick element to it, you know? Yeah, way more. Well, I know Raimi, well, all of the guys, especially Raimi and Bruce Campbell, were huge fans of the Three Stooges and just slapstick comedy in general. So, yeah, you could definitely see where they shoehorned more of that into Part 2. For better, some people want to say for better or worse. I mean, I think both movies are their own thing, but I was probably interested in uh, Will's take on the second one when we get around to doing it, because I don't know if you know, it's basically, some people will say, oh, it's just a remake of Part 1. Sam Raimi himself says that, it, no, it's not It's not a remake. It's like it carries on from the end of Part 1 on to Part 2. But, I mean, really, honestly, I think it. <laughs> we talked about it a little bit before. That yeah. It is kind of a remake. When he had money to actually do some more of the stuff he wanted to do in the first movie. So uh, regardless of how you look at it, whether you see it as a sequel or not, it's, it's you know, yeah, it's different, it's more humor and it's more money they had to make it. And it's its own thing. That's very much different. I mean, similar, of course, but very different than the first movie. So. I'll also be interested to see everybody's feelings once we get around to that evil dead from 2013, that remake, because I thought mm. that was a really oh, done, yeah. really done remake. Really well done. I'm sorry. Eager to see it again myself. It's been a while, and that's actually that's my wife's favorite remake. Is it, that Evil Dead remake? Yeah, it ranks pretty high for me, man. It's like top five or ten remakes, horror remakes for me, for sure. Uh, they did a good job on, and I think it was uh, Fidi Alvarez that directed that one. Yeah, yep. But then they actually made a television series, which I have still yet to watch myself. I'm I'm ashamed. I, Eventually, maybe I'll get around to it. Um, but they it's called Ash versus Evil Dead, and it originally aired on Stars, and then. I think now, maybe as we speak here in August of 2022, I think it lives on Netflix, but it only ran for three seasons from uh, 2015 to 2018. And then apparently at some point this year, maybe next year, who knows? There's a lot of like upheaval with Warner Brothers Discovery right now, you know, since that merger. So they're kind of like shifting things around and everything. But Evil Dead Rise apparently is supposed to come out at some point this year. But, you know, with all that stuff going on at Warner Brothers, who really knows at this point, like, because I think it was supposed to go straight to HBO Max whenever it was put together and, you know, they said that this was going to happen. But with the, with them kind of shifting strategies and everything, I've heard rumors that it could be going to theaters. So I guess we'll find out. Hopefully they don't shit can it all together and we never see it. But also this year, here in 2022, they released a video game, Evil Dead the Game. Uh, I've heard some good things about it. I haven't got to play it myself yet. But it does have the... Uh, most, if not all, of the original cast uh, lends their voices to the game. Yeah, I noticed that uh, looking at the, um, you know, kind of cast and crew connections. Yeah. Um, yeah, I did notice that. I've, I've heard some good things about it. So, you know, if you're a fan of uh, horror games, that might be one worth checking out. This movie, of course, was directed and written by Sam Raimi, uh, who would best be known for, obviously, these Evil Dead, these movies that we've talked about, but also Dark Man, The Quick and the Dead. Uh, the Spider-Man trilogy from you know the early two early two thousands or so. Yeah. The one with uh, Tobey Maguire Spider-Man. That trilogy was him. Uh, Drag Me to Hell, which underrated in my opinion, and that's one that we've got to get to here on the show. I love that movie. 
And most recently, Doctor Strange in the Multiverse of Madness. He kind of went back to the uh, comic book movies with that one. He directed that. So uh, obviously he's known for a good handful of other things, but those are kind of some of the highlights there for Sam Raimi. Uh, it stars Bruce Campbell as Ashley Ash J. Williams. <laughs> he is actually an executive producer on this movie as well. I think going forward, too, I think he was always kind of a partner with Raimi in that. Uh, but he would also best be known, other than these movies, as Boba, uh, Bubba Hotep. Or in the movie, Bubba Hotep, he plays uh, Elvis and something else in that movie. Uh, he's in the first two Maniac Cop movies. Sundown, The Vampire and Retreat. Waxwork 2, Lost in Time. I mean, he's got tons of credits. Lots of TV work. Lots of smaller, you know, straight-to-video type movies. So, yeah, Bruce Campbell's well-loved. Not only in the horror genre, but, like, cult movies and B-movie type stuff. I mean, like, Bruce Campbell's the man. Uh, it also stars Ellen Sandwies as Cheryl. This is funny. Like, this was the the last thing that she did all the way up until 2006. And I found kind of a theme with that, too, with the three ladies that were in this movie. You've got Alan Sandwies, who plays Cheryl. You've got Betsy Baker, who played Linda. And you've got Teresa Tilly, who played Shelley. Almost all three of them, pretty much all three of them in various ways, they might have done one or two other things after this and then just went away until about 2006. It's like they all decided <laughs> to come back together, like, fuck it, let's get back in the business. And then they all just started doing a bunch of random movies and stuff after that. Uh, Ellen Sandwies was uh, in the movie Satan's Playground. All three of those ladies were in another Sam Raimi movie, Oz the Great and Powerful. Richard Demanicor, Demanicor, I think is how you say his name, is Scott. Uh, He's the only other cast member we'll speak of here. Well, other than one more. He was in another Sam Raimi movie a little while after this called Crime Wave, which apparently that one flopped. Uh, Betsy Baker, like I just mentioned, she was also in Sharp Objects, Hand of God, and Teresa Tilly was also in uh, uh, Back in the Day and The Prototype. So they've been busy over the last 15 years or so, but it's it's kind of weird to me when I was looking at it that all three of them pretty much just like, all right, well, movie business, not for me. And then they all decided around the same time, like, hey, fuck it, let's do it again. You know? <laughs> and they're active to <laughs> well, this day. So I don't know. I don't know what happened. Yeah, I, and, you know, people take uh, kind of breaks and it's not it's not so much, uh, you know, we've said uh, previously, well, this movie ended their career. Yeah. You know, yeah. but uh, like Phoebe Cates, she left Hollywood to, uh, I guess, raise her family. Maybe yeah. that's, you know, right around. Yeah. And, and that could be the case here, too. I mean, you don't want to make assumptions, like you said, but um, that does happen a lot. Like, you know, maybe they made this early, you know, in their early 20s, mid 20s. They all decide to go have families, and then you know you kind of have to raise your kids for twenty years or so, and then and then you can come back and you know do stuff again. So maybe that's the case with all three of them. Who knows? Um, but the only other one I'll mention is Ted Raimi, Sam Raimi's brother. He is one of the fake chimps in this movie. He has appeared at least one other time before here on the Spook Show. And Donnie, yep. you, you might mention that. I, you know, I won't <laughs> yeah. even give it away. <laughs> I appreciate it. Yeah, I won't <laughs> give it away. He has appeared one other time. So uh, we'll, we'll, when we come around to the connections, uh, Donnie will point that out. But did you guys have anything else you wanted to talk about before we get into the meat and potatoes of this movie? Oh man, you you, you know uh, you'd mentioned the uh, uh, the cabin. Uh, the cabin is no longer there. You know, uh, um, yeah, because uh, otherwise it'd be kind of cool. Like you know, this it's not too awfully far away from where we all live. You know, here in the Charlotte, North Carolina area, I wouldn't think it'd take you no more than three or four hours to get over there uh, from yeah. here. So yeah, if there was something still there, it'd be kind of cool to take a road trip up and see. You know. What's left? Honestly, even to, even to, to have like coordinates just to go up there, like okay, this is where it was. You know, yeah, that might be, uh, I think 
I think I did read something that the the cabin itself is gone, but the only thing that's left is the uh, chimney. Hmm. Hmm. So there is something. Which, by the way, <laughs> there is something left. Uh, also, apparently, they they made like a uh, little cut time capsule and put it into the chimney. Hmm. That is awesome. Yeah. Yeah. It's been, it's been in every other uh, Sam Raimi movie as the yeah, that Oldsmobile that <laughs> they're driving in. Driving <laughs> up the cabin. That's the Oldsmobile that's been in every every Sam Raimi movie. Something like Uncle Ben was driving it in the the first Spider Man movie with Tobey Maguire. Mm-hmm. Uh, and you know, in various other places. Even in even in uh, Doctor Strange was in there. I can't remember. I can't even remember the exact scene, but I do remember seeing like, oh, there it is. There's the yeah, that's cool. That is cool. Yeah, I didn't know that. Mr. Projectionist, stop the show. Here's great news you ought to know. We've just got a shipment of taste thrill treats, all tip-top quality and delicious eats. There are hot dogs and popcorn and candy galore. There's soft drinks and coffee and a whole lot more. So direct your steps to our refreshment stand to enjoy the finest snacks in all the land. For you, the listeners of the All-American Spook Show podcast, Audible is offering a free audiobook download with a free 30-day trial to give you the opportunity to check out their service. So like we normally do when we do these spots, I'll just go over to Audible and I'll type in something to do with whatever movie we're talking about. So I just typed in Evil Dead to see what will pop up. And apparently there's a series series of books called the Evil Dead MC series. There's at least two or three of them that I see here. One's called Crash, and they're both by Nicole James. And uh, once this, uh, the first book is about 10 hours. The second book is almost 19 hours long. But I, it looks like it has nothing to do with, uh, you know, the Evil Dead or anything even like horror related. It's just, it almost kind of looks like a, a romantic novel about bikers or something. <laughs> but for some reason, <laughs> it's called the Evil Dead MC series. I don't know what the fuck it is. Um, but, if, you know, if that sounds like something you might like, there you go. New Rules for Firefights, the Dead Evil Mercenary Corps, series book one. Uh, that was about eight hours by Michelle Anderley. And then one other is Slappy Birthday to You, Goosebumps Slappy World, book one by R.L. Stein. I don't know why the hell that pops up with Evil Deads, but whatever. Uh, tons of other things. Most of it doesn't look, uh, you know, horror related, believe it or not, <laughs> somehow. But there is a bunch other bunch of other stuff on here. So, uh, you know, you can go, and, go over to Audible and check it out yourself. Just type in Evil Dead and you'll see. But if any of that sounds interesting to you, you can go... Download your free audiobook today by going to audibletrial.com slash spookshow. Again, that's audibletrial.com slash spookshow for your free audiobook. So as we do here lately, I'll go over to IMDB and I'll type in, or, you know, I'll go look at the uh, the pages for the plot summaries and see what pops up. And this one actually has got a handful here. This will kind of wrap, you know, sum, sum up the movie for us is easier than we can do it by going blow by blow. So you first, the first one you've got is just one sentence. Five friends travel to a cabin in the woods where they unknowingly release flesh-possessing demons. Pretty straightforward, you know, just one sentence. That That's pretty much the film. Yeah, that's but pretty good. Someone named Miss Murder over on IMDb, she put in, Five college students take time off to spend a peaceful vacation in a remote cabin. A book and audio tape is discovered, and its evil is found to be powerful once the incantations are read out loud. The friends find themselves helpless to stop the evil as it takes them one by one with only one survivor left with the evil dead and desperately tries to fight to live until morning. Yeah, we've got a handful more here. This one's submitted by Gary KMCD. Ash Williams, his girlfriend Linda, and three other friends head off to a cabin deep in the Tennessee woods. They rented the cabin for a song, sight unseen, 
and find the place to be in good shape, though they encounter strange occurrences and noises almost from the moment they arrive. I'd say it's almost exactly from the fucking moment they arrive. <laughs> in the basement, they find a strange book and tape recordings with a translation of the text. In playing the tapes, they release an evil force bent on killing them. One by one, they become possessed and attack the others. In the end, only one will survive. <laughs> There's a few more here, but I'm just going to read one more. And this is the longest one, uh, submitted by Nick Reganis. Yeah, Nick Reganis. What better way to blow off steam than to go on a brief weekend vacation? I don't know why there's a question mark. It's kind of a weird way to put a question. <laughs> However, as Michigan State University student Ash Williams, I don't remember them saying like what school they were from. Maybe, do you? I don't know. Ah, news to me. Rather specific. Uh, Michigan, Michigan State University student Ash Williams and his companions, his girlfriend Linda, his sister Cheryl, their friend Scott, and his girlfriend Shelly, arrive at a cheap, weather-beaten cabin in the tangled woods of rural Tennessee. Nothing can prepare them for what's to come. Before long, strange findings in the basement and cryptic, unintelligible incantations lead to a night of pure terror as dormant, malevolent forces creep into our world. Now, a parasitic power corrupts and mutates the human flesh, and thick, bright red blood stains the solitude of the encircling mountains. Is there an escape from the demonic madness and the plague of the evil dead? And there you go. That, that pretty much wraps it up. Yeah, All right, next week good. on the Spook Show, we're going <laughs> to... <laughs> so there you go that that pretty much well explains what exactly is happening here is uh basically they go to this cabin they all or four of them four of the five that go to this cabin uh get uh, possessed by some kind of demon force whatever it is after they read they find this book and then they play the tape of the incantations and then they all basically the rest of the movie is just ash trying to survive this uh, evil madness, right? That's as simple as you can sum it up. All right, so now, so now it's time for the uh, roundtable discussion. So, uh, Will, you, uh, this was your choice. So uh, wh- where do you want to get started at? What do you want to talk about? I just want to go ahead and uh, jump straight to the end. Okay, fair enough. <laughs> all right, so they throw the book into the uh, to the fire, and it burns all the demons, right? Mm, okay. So, so what else could you do to the book? Could you, could you hold it in water? Would it drown the demons? You could chop it up, I guess. I don't know. <laughs> They didn't, you, uh, they didn't have any water, though. <laughs> but, you know, it just makes you wonder uh, if certain other things could happen. I, I, I didn't that? say it. You did. <laughs> I'm just curious what all you could do to this book and how it would affect the demons. Who the yeah. hell Who the hell knows? <laughs> somebody's, somebody's found out, probably, or would find out. <laughs> somebody would. Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> I, I think that the... Uh, like we talked about a little bit earlier that everything that they did here with these, these camera angles and everything, the, that something is chasing you camera look. I think it's really so unique with this, you know, like it really, it really sets it apart the whole movie. You know, like if you didn't have that element in this movie, I don't know if I would have liked it quite as much as I did. And I don't know. And I don't know if I'm alone there, you know, just because it, it does have such a unique look. And of course the gore and, you know, everybody that's in it does a good job of, you know, what they're asked to do here. Obviously, uh, uh, Bruce Campbell's Ash really stands out, but you know I, I think if you take a lot of that inventiveness, those shots, that kind of you know uh, hovering over the swamp kind of shots and those Dutch angles and weird angles that they took and it, like if you take that out of it, I think this movie is just kind of another of that time period, in my opinion. Yeah, I mean, there's really yeah, if you take all of that out, there's nothing special about it because it was so unique and so inventive and everything. I think that lends itself to be kind of what it is and what it turned out to be and you know that was yeah that, i think that was a really big part of this movie 
Yeah, it definitely opinion. sets itself apart. Yeah. Yeah, the, the movie that I actually watched just before this was Madman. Mm-hmm. Like, just in the first, like, couple of minutes of, you know, just seeing the different cam- camera angles from Evil Dead, it, it definitely, like, grabbed your attention and kind of put you in the mood a little bit more for the uh, for the whole, you know, ride along with the movie. It is kind of, I just thought of it, it is kind of ironic that our first movie out of Camp Spook Show is a movie that's in a damn cabin in the woods, basically. <laughs> it's, it's, not, it's not far off of, you know, the same kind of movie in a way. Yeah. <laughs> I, th- I think Madman is a pretty good uh, uh, example, or not example, but a, a fairly good comparison in the sense of like it's a movie that came out almost like the, at the exact same time, you know, and you can see um, uh, it just it, uh, I guess what I'm getting at is you can see the difference of a quality filmmaker or one that will eventually come to be with Sam Raimi, you know, versus the people that put Madman together. Not the shit on Madman, but like a movie made at the same time is so. Uh, influential and cutting edge when compared to something like Madman. You can definitely see in the first couple of minutes the the uh, craftsmanship, uh, the inventiveness. Yeah, it's just different. Like I said, and for a movie that came out at the exact same time period, made around the exact same time as Madman, and you can see a major difference between the two. You know, cre- yeah. creatively and just the finished product. Well, and also those camera angles, those inventive angles, and everything weren't they weren't for nothing. You know, they were because they could he could have just said. Well, let's, let's just throw this. Let's just do this angle here and do that, and just for shits and giggles, you know, it'll look cool if we put the camera in the corner. You yeah. know, it actually added to the atmosphere of the demonic possession type stuff that was coming later. Like even the car going across the uh, the wooden bridge, because they had the camera on the outside, and just how the, the car kind of glides past the camera, and the camera follows behind it as it's going up the trail to the cabin. Yeah, adds like eeriness, kind of foreboding type stuff, rather than just hey, let's do some cool camera angles for the fuck of it, you know. Yeah. By the way, that bridge got blown all to hell, didn't it? Like, <laughs> when they went across it, and then when they came back to go, like it looked like somebody just like grabbed a hold of it and just twisted it. Oh yeah, like just up in the air. Like, yeah. How about when they're on the way to the cabin and there's some random guys like just <laughs> he just honks the horn by accident, <laughs> oh. and then those guys are like, yay, hey. <laughs> yeah, yeah. One of those guys was uh, Sam Raimi. Yeah, I saw yeah. it was him and s- someone else, right? Yeah. Like. Someone else that worked on the movie that were the guys. Uh, I think it was Tom Sullivan. I didn't see this, but I did read. Uh, apparently, in the shot where you see them actually pull up to the cabin, the girl that's in the front seat, she's not there anymore. And apparently, it's uh, Sam Raymond riding up in the car. <laughs> 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 yeah, and really, I will say they waste no time. Like in this movie, like yeah, you have the setup of them like driving to the cabin or whatever. But like, once they get to the cabin, like they waste no time. It's like under ten minutes. Cheryl is already kind of like being haunted and then uh, somewhat possessed and then, or, you know, at least freaked out. And then that cellar door just opens up on its own and everything. So like they really don't waste any time. I know it's kind of a short movie, right? An hour and 25 minutes, but they really don't waste any of that time. Like, like, all right, let's, you know, let's get to it. There's very little, there's, I think enough character work to make you care about the characters, but not too much. Like, you know, that it weighs it down. They just kind of get right into it. Like, yeah, you know, you know, pretty much from the, from the moment they walk up to this cabin and that swing is on the porch and it's, it's hitting the side of the house. And then mm. as soon as he gets the key or no, isn't it? As soon as he opens the door, yeah, as it, soon stops. As he it. it just yeah. stops completely on its own. So, you know, something's up like within the first five or six minutes of this movie, you know? So I like that pacing, you know, I like that they kept it, you kept it going throughout the movie, but also like right at the beginning, like, you know, you're in for some shit right away. And by the way, that cellar, 
door that opens up, you know, and then they eventually they go under the cellar. There's no way that cellar is under that cabin. <laughs> That's a it's, massive cellar for this small ass cabin. Yeah, I did actually. Uh, I read that the uh, it was uh, the cellar. Okay, so they did dig about uh, I think it was four, three or four feet down, uh, in like underneath, underneath the subfloor, mm-hmm. but just just to get you know a couple of shots. But uh, um, probably just for enough for them to like kind of disappear up under the steps when they go down. Yeah. Yeah. And then they actually used a, uh, it was a cellar of a farmhouse and outside of, uh, Michigan was Marshall, Michigan. Uh, that was the real cellar. Okay. Um, but yeah. Yeah. I had saw where there were some other shooting locations that like around the Detroit mm-hmm. area, but I didn't know specifically what, what was shot there versus, you know, the main cabin or whatever in Morristown, Tennessee. So that's interesting. Yeah, Did you... I'm sure stuff like that happens in, in a ton of movies, but as soon as I read that, I felt like, uh, you know, like that reminded me of uh, Night of the Living Dead. Yeah. You know, the, the same thing. Like, like yeah. the, the, the basement for that movie was in a completely different place. Mm. No. I thought you, you were, where you were going there for a second is just like kind of the closed quarters kind of aspect of Night of the Living Dead is very similar here, too. You know, like, yeah. The, yeah. There's also that. Yeah, yeah. There's, you know, they're closed up in a house. You know, they go out of the house, they basically get attacked by trees. So <laughs> basically almost everything happens right there inside the house or in the cellar, you know, small confined space, similar to the Night of the Living Dead. Did you notice down in that little cellar room where they found the tape and the the Book of the Dead or whatever, that there was like part part of a Hills Have Eyes poster stuck yeah, to the wall? Yeah, I noticed that. Yeah, that was, uh, yeah, that was cool. There's actually, uh, uh, I had looked up that... Um, that Panasonic reel-to-reel uh, tape recorder. There's one on eBay uh, right now. That it is, it is in working condition, and it's for three hundred bucks. Well, let's hope it doesn't so, have uh, that tape already. No, oh, there you go, Smoke. Yeah, if you want to yeah. conjure. <laughs> oh yeah, well that ta- that tape too. That uh, you know when they start doing the incantations on it. <laughs> there's a link to the scene at the beginning with Rob. That guy was Rob Tappert, the producer that was with Sam Raimi, the two guys on the road waving, hey, you know. Yeah, yeah. Okay, so that, really that tape, Yeah, that incantation. If you listen, if you go back, and I, I didn't hear it. It took me a while. I think I read it somewhere. Or I saw an interview or something, and I had to go back and watch it. This time now, every time I watch the movie, I hear it. But it's uh, somewhere near the beginning of the supposedly unintelligible other language, Kandarian language or Sumerian or whatever language it's supposed to be, you know. He says, uh, you, you'll hear it if you listen to this language. Sam, Sam and Rob are the hitchhikers down the road is basically what they're saying, but it's done in a way that's like Sam and Rob are the hitchhikers down the road. Uh. <laughs> that's so when funny. you go back, listen, listen to that part, and you, you can't unhear it now if you uh, yeah, go yeah. back. <laughs> One of those things that's pointed out, like you said, you can't unhear it. Like, yep, it's there every time. It's obvious now. Yeah. Every time now I hear it, it's just like just like that. But every every other time I've seen it, probably 10, 15 times, I'd never heard it until I heard, you know, Sam Raimi or, or Bruce Campbell talking about. That's what they were saying, and I went back and listened to it. Yeah, now you can't hear it. The posters, too, like you are saying, that Rip the Hills Have Eyes poster was a reference to the Hills Have Eyes. There's a Jaws poster that was ripped. Hmm. So that, that was kind of like Wes Craven, I guess you said. That, that was kind of like him saying, Jaws isn't scary. The Hills Have Eyes, that's scary. Mm-hmm. And so... uh so in this movie, that's why Sam Raimi did this. He, he put that rip hill posted basically saying like Evil Dead, you know, Hills Have Eyes is a shit. Evil Dead, that's scary. Yeah. <laughs> so then uh, in the Nightmare on Elm Street, 
they had Evil Dead in that movie, if you remember the scene where uh, where uh, Johnny Depp gets killed in mm-hmm. Nightmare on Elm Street. He gets sucked into the bed. He's watching Evil Dead on the TV in mm-hmm. the room. So that was, again, that was just them going back and forth. That was what's famous. Yeah. No, no, Evil Dead. Kind of under, the, the, under the table barbs. Yeah, yeah, just kind of, you know, just having fun with each other, you know, just messing around or whatever. And then there was a uh, a Freddy Krueger glove in Evil Dead 2 in the basement, hanging on the wall really quick as the camera pans as he's walking through the uh, basement in the Part 2 movie. You can see it if you're like, you know, you don't really notice it right away, but if you if you're really looking over there in that corner of the room when he's walking through, you can see the Freddy glove hanging there. So I don't, I think that's where it stopped. I'm pretty sure there wasn't any more, after, you know, digs at each other after that one. I'm, not, I'm probably not going to go out on a limb and say that we're all against, you know, rape, right? We're we're probably not all cool with, <laughs> with rape in general, right? But but how do we feel about tree rape? <laughs> oh, I saw man. that scene and I was like, did, did that just happen? <laughs> now you know, there is some apparently there is some uh, debate as to whether that's what you're really seeing there. Because I guess it really comes out of two things. Number one, you know, it's kind of ripping her, you know, well, not kind of, it is ripping her clothes off. And then, you know, uh, one of her breasts is exposed. But also that one short scene where it looks like you know, the branch basically <laughs> goes right into her privates, you know, and then she's kind of squirming around and stuff. So, like, there, there is, some people are like, no, no, that's not what's happening. It's just these branches are attacking her. She's being attacked. But I don't know, man. It looks, looks a lot like tree and vine rape to me yeah um sam raimi actually does regret that he he is he had mentioned in a past interview that he you know it was uh it was a little un, i mean it was obviously unnecessary yeah <laughs> yeah. yeah yeah so he does he does have regrets over it yeah that, well, that, how, how else were you supposed to get groot yeah <laughs> so that's <laughs> how groot happened <laughs> who knew wait a second mm. <laughs> Yeah, we just we just tied uh, Evil Dead into the MCU. <laughs> well, apparently there was there's actually another connection. Supposedly, uh, Ash in another universe got sucked into a uh, uh, a Marvel universe, and that's supposedly how the uh, uh, Marvel Zombies uh, line came to be. Hmm. Um, uh, well, you know, Ash was technically he was in the Doctor Strange movie. In a cameo, not as Ash. Yeah, I was about to say, wait, wouldn't he like Pizza Papa or something like that? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. It's over. It's finally over. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> not too many spoilers for people that haven't watched uh, Doctor Strange. I guess we'll leave it there. But yeah, <laughs> he's in it. <laughs> How about when they go like, all right, Cheryl's had enough after this after this scene, and like <laughs> she goes back like, we're fucking leaving. We're leaving right now. I don't give a fuck. So Ash. Gets her in the car and they I go out. That's my final straw is tree rape. <laughs> so they leave and then the bridge is out. So they have to turn back. And then almost as soon as they go back, Cheryl turns around and she's possessed. <laughs> it's like, bam! <laughs> that escalated quickly. But because of the, the time frame of you know, when this movie was filmed, it, there's that. There's definitely like uh, restrictions on what they could do. Uh, so like, especially the the makeup of you know the the women turning into the uh, the demons. Yeah, is very abrupt and all of a sudden. I hate to keep harping on you know like the you know inventiveness of, of the camera angles and and 
and everything. God, this was just such a fun movie to watch. Yeah. The makeup and effects, you know, especially for the time period, are very well done. But everything about it is, like I said, the pacing. It just keeps moving. You know, yeah. like, yep. there's there's not much room to breathe, man. It just keeps going, and it's and that that is what makes it fun. You know, is yeah, that, it, there's not it very many... It doesn't slow down. Yeah, it definitely works in its favor there. Yeah, mm-hmm. good point. I mean, there's there's they plenty of times. They cut it down properly, because I think it was like two hour, over two hours the original cut. Yeah, I saw something so where I think, I think it was 117 minutes, the the first cut, yeah, and then yeah. they had to cut a lot of shit out, because apparently there was going to be something, there was going to be more story about, I think it read something about, like, all these people had done something in their past, so it was going to kind of bring yeah, up... Yeah, it was supposed to be more drama. They had drama in there. I mean, you yeah, know, mixed yeah. in with the horror, it was like less humor, more drama, and the horror elements, of course, too, I mean, thankfully, he did what he did to it, cut yeah. it down, and knew what to do to, you know, to turn it into what it became. Yeah, no doubt. Because I'm sure all that other stuff just would have weighed it down and not made it what it is today, you know, that we were just talking about. So, yeah, good call on that one. But, yeah, like, like there are plenty of movies that, you know, are, you know, you, you hear the, the, the budgets, like hundreds of millions of dollars. But this just goes to show you, like, and you get the right people. I mean, you're, 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 you're seen literally can be a house for an hour and a half and it's awesome yeah yeah you can do more with less it was, it was interesting he, oh, to see, like, i think i saw like the budget for this movie what was it uh around like three hundred fifty thousand dollars. yeah i think the final number i saw was like 375 meanwhile uh Raimi, like years later does i think it was spider-man 3 for 350 million dollars yeah, it's crazy and which one is more endearing and and uh many people would watch over and over and over again, you know, between those two oh, yeah. movies, which one, you know, <laughs> yeah. just goes to show you that if you, if you do the job correctly, not to say that he didn't do it correctly on Spider-Man three, there's a lot of cooks in the kitchen when you're talking about a movie that's costing 300 something million dollars. But yeah, it just goes to show you that like a creative person, you know, that's willing to take some chances and do some new stuff, you know, can really spit something out, you know, can spit out gold. So Linda, in the movie, she gets stabbed in the Achilles with a pencil. <laughs> that was that, funny, man. That was kind of brutal, though, right? I mean, you know, in and of itself, it's like, motherfucker, you know? <laughs> she just gets stabbed, oh, yeah. and they're and like, it's not just stab, it's like, yeah, it's not just a stab, it's like, stab, dig, twist, <laughs> dig, you know? <laughs> oh, man, you know what I, it actually reminded me of, and, I, and this is, this is, because, uh, was it, I had seen, and I want to say, yeah, I, I saw Evil Dead before I saw this awful fucking movie, but uh, there was this awful, awful fucking movie called Bleeders. Oh God! <laughs> yeah, but yeah, it was uh, it was very similar. To, yeah, we, there's a, there's I a think we watched where, that one together. Yeah, yeah, yeah I did. think we did. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah um, there was this uh, scene in that in that movie where it was very similar to the the pencil to the uh, Achilles. <laughs> And I was like, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Like, <laughs> oh, that's where they got that. Yeah. <laughs> that's it. Well, and, and I was guessing, like, I guess before I heard the, the part that you mentioned about uh, there was supposed to be, like, more backstory about uh, each of the characters in the movie. Yeah. But, it, like, it almost said to me, like, as far as being possessed, it was almost like you needed to have some kind of injury to you, you know, where you were bleeding before the demons really took hold. Because... Like, uh, the sister didn't become a demon until they got back. 
and she had already been like you know roughed up in the woods yeah (laughs) then the what was it the girlfriend with the ankle Uh, Uh, that that... didn't pop up until she she got stabbed in the ankle Mm -hmm. like there there was like a running thing so i guess going along the same thought process i was wondering why didn't anything happen to ash through the entire movie until obviously the very end you mean what was the difference between why he didn't get possessed right versus all these what happened yeah and maybe like like you said, like you pointed out there, maybe some of that backstory was to explain maybe these people had done something that kind of opened themselves up to this, and he hadn't. Mm. Maybe right. you know, that's maybe a that's good where, point. Yeah. Maybe that's where they were going with it, and they just cut it all out. But Shelley, uh, that's uh, one of the one of the girls. She turns, and then I think it's she grabs a hold of Scott or <laughs> Ash. I can't remember. I think maybe it's. Ash? I think it's Scott. Scott. it's Scott, and then he hacks at her hand, and then she just it gnaws her own hand off. Like, yeah, actually, like, yeah, they're gone, man. Like, they they turn, dude. They're fucking gone, you know. <laughs> but then every yeah. once in a while, they turn back into normal people. And God, man, could you imagine? You know, like like <laughs> being in this kind of position, like losing your mind, and then and then something like this happens, man. Yeah, and like, then they just turn back to normal. Yeah, yeah. Well, there, there's kind of a precedent in that in, like, horror movies, right? Smoke with, like, Exorcist and stuff where they would, say, demon possession type movies where they'd always kind of have that moment of, like, please help me. Please, you know, like, to kind of draw the person clarity. back in and then, bah, you know. <laughs> <It's> just, <laughs> yeah, you, you, always, you always get the uh, feeling, of course, that it's not it's not them, their true selves coming back. It's just a demon fucking with you or fucking with the person. Yeah, you know? yeah. I think that's exactly like what. They had a whole clarity of demons you know, out of them or something. I think this is the way you explain it. It's like, oh, please help me. <laughs> <laughs> well, that pretty much sums it up, right? I mean, like, it, yeah. I, and almost every one of these, it happens almost the exact same way. And you know, it's you know, it's coming. You know, you as the viewer of a horror movie, you're like, oh fuck, here we go. You know, as soon as the person, like, in their moment of weakness, like, oh, oh, thank God you're okay. You know, and then they attack them again. <laughs> so you know, it's coming. <laughs> oh man. Yeah, but, Scott well, fucks her up with the axe, chops oh yeah, her to dude, bits. He, he just fucking obliterates her. <laughs> now, I can't remember, did they mention that before that, or was it like sometime after that where they said, like, the only way to stop this is to dismember the person or whatever, right? Dismember the body. Was that... Yeah, that was that was uh, in the recording like, earlier, yeah, earlier so in the movie. Then, then, I, then they have some kind of flashback to it, right, or something like... Hey, wait a minute. That's right. You know, there was some something later that kind of like, oh yeah, if you chop them up, you know, they're fucking, you know, they're done. I don't know that that's why he did that, but <laughs> maybe it is. <laughs> it seemed kind of like at that point he's just like, fuck, fuck the world, you know, like I, w- I want to live. Fuck these people, you know. He gives up on them <laughs> real quick. Where whereas Ash still has his trepidations, you know. It's not until much later on when it takes him forever to dispose of Linda. You know, his <laughs> when she turns. Oh, yeah. It's funny too when she turns, she just looks like they just applied a bunch of makeup to her face. Like they didn't really do any. Well, yeah, there was no transformation. Yeah, it was just, just all immediate. of a sudden. Yeah, here's a bunch of like rosy cheek colored, you know, and stuff on her eyes and stuff. You know, it, was, it wasn't like an incredible makeup job on her. She just kind of acts <laughs> like a giggling schoolgirl when she yeah. turns. But he eventually, what she, there, there's that knife that they found down in the cellar, right? This like, yeah, you know, it's got like a skull or something on the handle. She gets mm. stabbed with it, so he thinks she's done. And then he chains her down to a table, and it looks like he's about to chop her up with a chainsaw. And then he just stops, because obviously the moment of weakness. And then he just decides to take her out and bury her, and buries her. And then, of course, that's when the hand comes out, you know. But then, that you notice when she comes out of the grave, now she's all, like, decomposed-looking and shit, right? You know, it took all of that. 
like burying her for two seconds for her to body to decompose to kind of look like the decomposed, <laughs> like, you know, of the rest of them. But also in that scene, like, like it was, it was a cute little callback to earlier in the movie when he gave her the, uh, the necklace, you know, the, the, I'm going to look at you and then I'm going to act like I'm asleep and then cut to the end. Uh, I'm going to look over at you dead, but I'm like staring at you. And then when, as soon as you look away, you yeah. Know, like, yeah. <laughs> That's that scene just took, seemed like it took forever. That was probably the only time in the movie where I really th- felt things slowed down a little bit. It was just her yeah. dealing with her or him dealing with her. I guess that's to kind of slow down. You know, let's all take a breath here for a minute. You know, slow the pace of the movie down because it's going to speed up again. You know, as I, I guess is the thinking. But that was the only time kind of it final is. Flourish. Yeah, that's the only time in the movie where it's like, good lord, just do something with her, Jesus. You know, <laughs> it's, it just seemed a little drawn out. You know. But then he ends yeah, her with that, chopping her head off with a shovel. Just more or less, like really hardcore Christian, his humanity, his love for his, yeah, his girl, yeah. and that's completely understandable. In a like, if in a real situation like this would ever happen, but if this situation happened, that's the way it would be. Like, fuck, I can't do this. You know, this is my my girlfriend, my wife, whatever. You know, this is someone important to me. You know, so you would have hesitations. It's natural, but it just seemed to slow down a little bit there. That's all. Um, but then yeah, he, sorry, he, sorry. he he ended sorry, her real. Sorry, uh, he ended her real sorry quick to, with that shovel, though. Sorry to, to, to go back. This, this probably should have been something that, that we brought up earlier in the, in the show, but it just popped up in my head. Uh, apparently, that, that scene where they sit there and they're listening to the uh, to the tape earlier in the movie. Yeah. Uh, apparently, uh, you know, they, they were supposed to be smoking weed during this scene. <laughs> oh, yeah. And, <laughs> and then they decide, you know what? Hey, let's really smoke weed. <laughs> And all of that had to be reshot because apparently they were just out of their gourd. Yeah, just probably just laughing and <laughs> yeah. <laughs> especially if they didn't show them smoking on the, you know, like why are they acting like they're high? But you know, you didn't yeah. see it happen. <laughs> yeah. Right after that, though, went like he he finally like disposes of her like literally by like one swipe chopping her head off with a fucking shovel, which is. Bravo, dude. You're fucking He-Man, right? But once you get past that and he goes back into the cabin and then the blood starts pouring out of the pipes. Or like, no, he, he cracks the pipe down in the cellar or whatever and the blood like pours all over him and then light or uh, blood starts coming out of the light plugs and the lights, you know, and the light bulbs in the ceiling or, uh, you know, in the, yeah, in the ceiling. I thought that was a really cool visual, cool scene, right? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. It, it almost makes you uh, like wonder, like, did, did I miss something? Did they all trip acid? Or something like before this, like, is it really kicking in on Ash now? <laughs> that explains everything. This all this was was just an acid trip, and really the 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 uh, Still, he, he, just, he slaughtered everybody he was yeah. there with when he was on a bad acid. <laughs> he just took a bunch of bath salts and he just decided to murder everyone. This and that, no, this that's is, the evil did. This one, this one movie I'm about to bring up is is, is fucking horrible. But did y'all ever watch uh, the second Blair Witch movie? You know, I no, I'd oh, seen yeah. enough. <laughs> I think I saw like <laughs> I think I watched like half of them. I'm like, nah, this ain't you know this nah. And then I never finished watching it. Well, overall, the movie yeah, it's, it's horrible. But there was one premise that that I that I loved uh, about God two thirds of the way through the movie. Uh, one of the, the the lead characters starts seeing what's supposed to be the Blair Witch and. She's like going through trying to kill the witch, and everybody's, uh, you know, like freaking out, and they're they're gonna help her, but you know, like they just they freak out every time the the witch shows up, right? Hmm. 
because it's the Blair Witch, they're running around with a, with a camcorder the whole time, like, filming everything. Uh, then come to find out the next day, like, they, they kill the Blair Witch and, and everything's good. The next day, she, like, wakes up and all her friends are dead. And she goes to watch the video, and the entire video is her hacking up her friends. Yeah, see, that's Through the up. entire movie. Yeah. That's a, that's a pretty terrifying premise, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> For that movie to be so bad, that premise right there, and I'm sure it's been done in other movies. But yeah, yeah. That 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 really kind of you know like sets you in like a, a certain tone of like God, I I don't know what I would do. Well, if, if something like that happened to you, you know, yeah, I think you'd have to take a header off a mountain or something after <laughs> after you have done seen that you've done something like that. You just need to end it. So they fight. Ash is fighting all these various demons and whatnot. You're coming toward the end, and then he grabs the book and throws it into the fire, and then uh, Scott and Cheryl just turn into cream corn and oatmeal. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's exactly I mean, what that's it looks what, like. It's like cream that's corn. Exactly what it looked like. Yeah, it makes them disintegrate. Uh, they should have put some food coloring in there or something because it looked like fucking. You know, it just like well, they clearly used oatmeal and cream corn. You know, <laughs> just a little bit of red or or coffee or something probably would have made that look more gruesome than it was. You know, but. I'm um, sure that was the last thing they ate. Yeah. <laughs> but maybe by that point, like, fuck it, let's just get this thing over with. Speaking of dump... The scene right before that, when she, like, puked the, mu- the milk up, that was pretty... That, the milk worked for that scene. I guess yeah. it was right before that, right? She fell back to the floor, and, like, the milk... Just yeah. white stuff shot out of her mouth. I think that was when, like, she <laughs> fell back, and, like, that knife went into her back, and then the... Yeah. Yeah, that's the, right there, yeah. That milk goo. Uh, oh, and also, stop <laughs> looking effects. I, I love stop motion effects. I'm a big fan of like Ray Harryhausen and that type of, you know. Yeah. It's and it's not the best stop motion, you know, in this movie, but I thought it it added some effect to it that put it in its time period, I guess, and I like that time period so so I like the stop motion. So what do we what do we ultimately what do we think of the end of the movie like we described earlier where it's like that that one shot where like Ash has survived the night, the sun has come up and it looks like he's finally going to be able to get the hell out of here and then you see this shot of something coming after him, the spirit, you know, that's kind of been chasing all everyone throughout the movie, kind of come up from behind him, and then he turns around and screams credits. So what do we think about the ending? I mean, do you think it was a good ending, bad ending, indifferent? What do you... Oh, man, yeah, I I loved it. Even though it is kind of formulaic in the sense of, like, ah, the, somebody survived, he's all right, and then, bah, you know, there's one last fuck you right before the credits, you know, that <laughs> there is kind of a formula to that, but still, I mean, I think this is pretty well done, in my opinion. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, I'd agree with that. I think overall you feel satisfied. Yeah, you wanted to see him survive, right? You want to see, you always want to see in these movies, you you want to see somebody get out of there. But so you kind of get that feeling of both. Like you get that feeling of like, man, he made it through. He finally got out. And then that last little, ha ha ha, I got you, you know, right at the, right at the end. But I, th- I think it's a good exclamation point to this movie. It's not as yeah, cool. You know what, happened, what happened to him, you know? It could, yeah, it could have gone. It could have gone think, either way. Yeah. Or he could have been possessed by the demon, or I don't know. He just, it just it kind of leaves it up in the open. But I thought it was cool. Yeah, it, cool. It was a very much a Sam Raimi effect, you know, that, something that you could identify as Sam Raimi-ish, you know, later on. And, and and it's not done with the creep there either, because in the credits, there's like as soon as the credits start, there's like some creepy old you know 1920s type of music, right? Whatever it is. And then as you're watching the credits, it kind of slowly gives way to that creepy wind sound. You know, just that desolate, mm. you know, sound, you know, through the end of the credits. Yeah. I thought that was really cool. I was, yeah. I mentioned this earlier. That wind, I'm glad you brought it up. The wind, that wind sound was something they recorded while they were up there in the cabin. I think Sam Raimi 
was sleeping one night in the cabin and heard that sound in the woods outside and got up and recorded the sound, I guess. And, and they, of course, tweaked it and did what they needed to do to yeah. get it more audible. It ends on a proper creepy note, I felt. So um, So there we go. That is the Evil Dead. It's one, one of the big ones. You know, this is one of those ones we've kind of held in the back pocket until now. Um, we haven't hit... We've hit a handful of really big ones, but not many as quite as big as this one as far as just, you know, horror fan favorites. Top 10, top 15 type material. This is one of them. So, Will, you brought us to the table, so we'll start with you. What's your uh, star rating on it? Man, I think I'm going to go ooh, probably four and a quarter. This whole movie was fun to watch. I mean... Even even the parts that definitely you know like dated as far as being like a early '80s movie, uh, you know a lot of times we watch this stuff and it's like ooh that did not age well. And while you know like the the whole claymation scene and, and the fact that some of the makeup just kind of pops up all of a sudden uh, is is a little distracting when you first watch it. When when and we've said it before multiple times in this like when you get good people doing good things, good things happen. Yeah. And this movie, for me, you know, watching it the first time, I loved it. That's what we love to hear. Donnie? I love this movie. Love it. You know, like we've already mentioned, you know, it's uh, creatively shot. We all love the uh, the violence, the gore, the practical effects. Um, this is influential, um, you know, to other films, even outside the horror genre. The, the, one, the one thing that I, you know, that obviously didn't age well is the rape scene. Um, you know, that, that to me is pretty much the only detractor in, in, in my opinion. Uh, but this is a true horror classic in every sense of the word. Um, and my rating reflects that it's, uh, I, I give it four and a half stars. All right. Professor, what do you say? Echoing, uh, Will and Donnie's sentiments here. It's a, it's a bona fide classic. And anybody who hasn't, who's watching this, listening to this, hasn't seen this, you need to do yourself a favor as soon as you're done with it. I mean, well, you, we've already spoiled the hell out of it, so I don't know why you would still be watching you know, If you'd still be listening to this, hearing us talking all this praise about it beforehand. So, uh, so, yeah, if you haven't seen it, as soon as you're done with this, go watch it. Cause, uh, you'll, you'll do yourself a favor doing that. Uh, one of the greatest as far as 80s horror movies, you know. Hardly any budget, a lot of innovation, a lot of passion that everybody had putting this movie together, putting it out there, and it influenced a lot of people, as we've talked about already. And spawned two, two sequels, a remake, as we also mentioned, and TV series that, you know, it just keeps living on and on. And there's, and there's, there will be more. There's a video game, and then the other. What was the other Evil Dead thing we said was coming out? Supposed uh, to be coming out. Supposed to be Evil Dead Rise, some point this mm. year or next. I'm sure when Raimi made this, he probably had no idea. That, I mean, no. I'm sure he had the idea that it was going to hopefully be good. You know, the, that people would like it, but he probably had no idea the longevity it would have. So, uh, especially based on the budget he had when he made it. Like I said, I've seen it countless amount of times. Uh, I probably didn't even need to watch it for this, <laughs> but I did because I love it. I probably could have just went straight into this and started talking about it. Because, uh, that's how many times I've seen it. You know, this might be one of those I'm going to have to go out on a limb for. Like I did early on in the series, I gave Reanimator a five. And I try, And since then, I've tried to back that back off a little bit. Yeah, you know, I'm like, you know, no secret, of course, I'm like a huge horror fan and have been since God knows how long going way back. So, so one of these come up like this, uh, and I have this little dilemma of, should I give this an extra super high rating or should I back down, you know, as we sometimes do with not giving too much praise to the movie? Hell, I think Jaws might have been the last movie that we rated the highest, maybe. I think so. I think you're right, yeah. That one was, da- it was four and three quarters across the board. 
And I mean, and I sit there, I think like this movie versus Jaws. I mean, is there a competition there? I mean, you think, you know, Steven Spielberg's Jaws is technically a perfect movie as far as the acting and all that stuff. But for, for me personally, I mean, if you if you give me the choice to watch Jaws and watch Evil Dead, unless I, unless it's been forever and a day since I've seen Jaws, I'm probably going to go with Evil Dead. So I, I think I might have to go with a five one. Yeah, I mean, honestly, dude, it's 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 a tough that's that's a tough thing to argue, and you know, I, that's kind of what I'm going with as far as like Jaws because like it is the highest one that I've rated at four and three quarters. It's a different kind of movie, you know, but for a lot of the same reasons that I enjoyed it, I. You know, Jaws, I enjoyed this for what it is, just like I enjoyed Jaws for what it is. Two different types of movies, but both very well done for what they both aim to do. So with that being said, I think I'm going to give it the same. I'm going to give it the same. Uh, I gave Jaws four and three quarters, which is, you know, on my scale so far, that's the highest I can give. <laughs> and I'm sure, like you said, we're, we're going to have more, you know, that will get up into this area. But yeah, this is this is a pretty big one for me. So I'm going to go four and three quarters. Not quite a five. I can't. I can't quite do it yet. I haven't found the one yet. I don't know if this is it, but I'm gonna go with that for now. So we got until the fourth anniversary show, like we always say, to kind of rethink it if we want. But for now, I'm gonna stay there. So that means all four of us together gave it a whopping 4.63. Wow. So yeah, that's needless to say. And this movie is a classic, and it doesn't need our approval. You know, but <laughs> no, you know, and you probably didn't even need to listen to us to tell, you know, you know, to tell you to go watch it. You should, you should know enough about horror movies. If you listen to this to know you shouldn't, you need to go watch this one. So, um, well, I'm really, well, I'm just glad you, obviously you picked it, but I'm just glad you enjoyed it because this is a, this is a bona fide classic and one of my favorites of all time for sure. So good pull. Yeah, it, was, it was fun. Yeah. Yeah. Um, that was awesome. Um, so, I- Eagerly anticipating your uh, your uh, take on part two. When we get to that. <laughs> yeah, well, maybe we'll have to get. The, we won't wait so long for that one that yeah. we did for this. Well, hopefully we'll get to that one sooner, sooner rather than later, just so we can uh, see what you got to say about that. But Donnie, I'm gonna go ahead and throw it to you first. Connections from the crates. I'm gonna I'm gonna add a couple extra ha-ha-has into the end of it. <laughs> as as see you if you should. notice. Uh, no, uh, you know we actually alluded to this uh, previously uh, uh, at the earlier part of the show. I appreciate you not stealing my thunder there. <laughs> uh, but uh, the only connection we have is Ted Rainey, uh, who played um, Fake Shemp, uh, one one of the uh, Fake Shemps, and. Uh, the Evil Dead. So, uh, uh, but he also was uh, played a condom salesman yep. in Blood Rage. <laughs> yep, that's a, it's a very brief but very memorable <laughs> scene at the beginning of Blood Rage. So, yeah. Yep. As soon as I I, I realized that Ted Raimi was in this, and, and surprise, surprise, I think he's in every yeah. movie his brothers made. Right, Smoke probably, if not all of them, most of them. Yeah, at least as a well, at least as a fake ship, if nothing else. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. But I saw uh, I saw that. I immediately remembered the condom salesman and blood rage. I'm like, oh shit, here we go. We we're gonna get yep. to pull that little fact again. So yeah, there you go. <laughs> All right. So with that out of the way, Kill. 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 we we haven't had the kill count in a little while since you haven't been around as much lately. I think. <laughs> The last time we had a kill count was Never Hike Alone. So what do you got for this one? 
Uh, well, it's going to be four, but it just uh, depends on like when do you consider somebody dying when they're possessed or when their possessed body gets killed. You know, multiple possessions in here, then uh, dismemberment, uh, disintegration, decapitation. And th- there's a lot of stuff going on in this one, but ultimately four. But you know, plenty of people died twice in this one. Yeah, because I think you know the precedent that they set here is if you're possessed, you're fucked. Right, because like, yeah. nobody came back from it, so yeah. And then there's loosely kind of Ash at the end, right? I mean, we know because there were other movies, he's still around, but that depends on whether you wonder whether those movies directly connect or not as to whether, you know, he survived that or not. So could be five, right, if you... Could be, but just the fact that, you know... They didn't make others. We didn't see it happen, and, and the fact that the movie just ends right there. Yeah. I didn't feel like we should count that one. Yeah, yeah, you're probably right. All right, Smokes, so we'll toss it over to you. <laughs> Gore score. So, uh, now, it's no secret, this is a juicy one. Yeah. Uh, and I don't remember, I can't, I mean, you know, because since we, since we kind of split these up, we're doing cold, cold corner or whatever and everything in between, I forget what the last glorious one we had is. We had some during summer camps that were pretty flattery, and we had the burning, and we had Madman had you know, decent effects and whatnot. Uh, but the last time we had one this gory, I can't—I I really can't think in recent memory. The last—the uh, last gory. I'll, I'll say I've got them all charted here. The last goriest one, like most recent, was the burning. You gave it seven, but the goriest okay. one you have to go all the way back to episode one hundred three. You gave Deathgasm ten. Oh, Deathgasm. Yeah, okay. yeah. It's, uh, what did I give Terr- Terrifier too? Why you got that? I mean, if you have that pulled up, that, right here, Art That was uh, hold on. Terrifier was ten. Yep. That was a ten too. Okay. Yep. That's, uh, well, you know, as I do with these things, this is an older movie, and since the gore score is coming from Chaz Balin, I usually go back and reference his stuff just to see what he gave it. And, uh, and I, I'm going to just put this out there before I give what it is. I'm just going to stick, I believe, with what Chaz Balin had for it because uh, there's certain movies where you can rate, you know, it's a subjective thing to the gore is sometimes. I mean, sometimes it's not subjective. Sometimes it's just so much of it and it's so, sometimes it's so mean-spirited or fucked up or whatever that you can't help but give it a 10. This movie falls in that fun sort of flattery, other than the rape scene. Mm. It was it was definitely in that in that like if you were to take the gore in this movie and compare it to say Cannibal Holocaust, nothing in this movie comes. I mean, the level of gore, yeah, it's got you know, a lot of splatter and a lot of blood, but that scene is probably closer to anything in Cannibal Holocaust than anything else in this movie would be as far as the mean spirited. Yeah, fucked up. You know, in that scene, it's really the only scene that's like that in the whole movie. The rest of it's really a fun flattery romp or whatever stuff. So. But that being said, there's so much gore and splatter in there that Chaz gave it a 10, so I'm going to stick with the 10. I think it's, it's got enough gore to push that level. And I haven't really come up with a way to, okay, judge. Okay, so how is one decapitation, some eye gouging, this, that? What makes a 10, you know, in the gore score? I think it's just the sheer level of how much is going on in the course of the running time of the movie. Yeah. You know, if you have one, one really great decapitation, bloody decapitation scene and nothing else for the rest of the movie, then... I got to figure out how to raise that. You know, super gory, this really gnarly decapitation, but the rest of it is almost bloodless. And what is that? A three, a four? You know, based on one decapitation. So yeah. I haven't yeah. come up with any sort of formula or equations to to do that. But when you get something like this, it's just through from beginning to end. It's pretty much stuff happening every you know so many minutes or whatever. In the movie. I, I would stick with that ten for this one. And yeah. like I said, down the road we'll probably have more stuff that's gorier than this, but it'll still be a ten. But I'll have some other way of rating it once we get to those. If we ever get to, 
Yeah. Some of the more messed up uh, gore, but with not necessarily the same amount of fun factor, you might want to call it, or, or you know, humor and all that stuff. So we haven't got to those yet. Terrifier pushed it, the envelope, with that particular scene of the, you know, the splitting the girl in half. Yeah. Scene. <laughs> that was, that was a pretty messed up scene. That's probably the closest we've gotten to, like, that sort of mean-spiritedness uh, in a gore scene. Well, I don't, but, uh, think, I don't think anyone would argue with the giving this one a 10 on the scale, and, you know, it goes hand-in-hand hand with the rating of the movie being... An X-rated movie at the time, and now it's NC-17. So it's all, you know, it all makes sense. It's all there. So, um, yeah, but that's it for uh, for uh, our latest uh, horror review. Uh, Will, that was a good pull. Um, hopefully, like I said, this is the beginning of a good string because coming up next week is our next cannon fodder. And this is the one that we, we all nominated. We spun the wheel. Uh, Smoke, I believe you nominated this one. You won the spin. And we're going to be watching the Chuck Norris classic, Missing in Action from 1984. One of the ones that kind of started the the huge rise of Chuck Norris being a huge star, right, for uh, canon and uh, here in the U.S. and everything. So come oh, back yeah. uh, next week for that. The, synop- the brief synopsis for that one is Colonel Braddock launches a mission deep into the jungles of Vietnam to find the POW camp that he escaped from and free the Americans still held captive there. So... Uh, it's going to be a lot of fun uh, on our next Cannon Fodder. And, of course, we'll also have our recurring segment, now dubbed Cannon Chronicles, with Austin Trunick. You know, he's the author of the Cannon Film Guide. He will be joining us next week for his usual segment there, and we'll get his thoughts and his cannonball rating and everything for uh, Missing in Action. So lots of fun to be had next week, so you want to come back for that. That'll be next Monday, April. I'm, I'm sorry, April. Good Lord. We're going back in time. It's going to be next Monday, August 22nd. At 6 p.m. East, wherever you get your podcast. So, or unless you're a patron, uh, you know, a patron over on Patreon.com/slash a spook show. At the five dollar level, you get it early. You'll get it day two, three days early. So, uh, if that interests you, you might want to go check out Patreon. So, uh, I guess that's it, guys. So, uh, for Will, Donnie, Professor Smoke, I'm Josh. We are the All American Spook Show podcast, and we'll talk to you next week. And now, folks, it's time to say good night. We sincerely appreciate your patronage and hope we've succeeded in bringing you an enjoyable evening of entertainment. Please drive home carefully and come back again soon. Good night.